0: This is Ernest James, also known as Calvin Brown, on Friday Night Lights, and you're listening to the Friday Night Lights
1: Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Friday Night Lights Podcast. I'm Blake, your host, and with me today is Lyle. Hi, And today we're going to be talking through the eighth episode of season four. And also we have an interview with Ernest James, who plays Calvin Brown on the show. And we'll be discussing some listener feedback that we've received. We're moving steadily into the second half of this season. And with now, including episode eight, only six more episodes, we expect there's going to be a lot happening and a lot of things on the move there. But I'll be honest, this seemed to be yet another episode of moving pieces into place. And I think we've been saying that the last couple of episodes, I'm ready for some real stuff to start happening.
2: I, think, I mean, isn't every episode kind of just moving stuff into place?
1: It seems so lately.
2: I mean, there's not that many where they actually resolve things. I mean, where Smash went to A&M and stuff like that resolves things. But I can't think of any episodes that really resolve anything unless it's the last episode for the character.
1: That's a good point. What did you think about the trip to Boston, though?
2: I don't know. I always think it's weird whenever the, you see the characters off out of their environment of Dylan. I thought it was weird when uh, Street is in his wheelchair wheeling through New York and Riggins is with him. Uh, something is just unnerving about it to me. I don't know why.
1: I actually liked the trip to New York, but the trip to Boston just didn't do it for me. It seemed more forced and it seemed kind of like you had this. It was setting up for this conversation between Julie and Tammy again about, you don't understand me, and I love you, and I just want the best for you. And it seems so disconnected from the rest of, of anything else happening in Dylan.
2: That's all I ever get from Julie, man. I'm starting to be with Russ and ready for her to go on to college.
1: Well, she's almost there, at wherever she goes. Um, I don't know if it's – it, where was she? She was at Boston College, Boston University.
2: She was at BC. Oh, did she go to more than one? Yeah. Is it more than one campus she visited? I know she was in B.C. at one point.
1: Yeah, I think she you saw Boston University on a clock tower or something at one point.
2: And uh, then, okay. I was wanting uh, Coach Taylor to say something about the trip. I just wanted one little throwaway line, to just like, B.C., good school. Doug Flutie beat Alabama, beat uh, Miami in 1984. Right, right. <laughs> just something that was totally had to do with football. and had nothing to do with actual school. I would have liked something like that. Because that's how I think about all those schools. First thing I thought of, oh, she went to BC, Doug Flutie. First thing that came to my mind.
1: What did you think of when you saw Boston University?
2: I didn't realize she even went to Boston (laughs) University. She just told me I thought the whole trip was to BC. I don't know know anything about Boston University. It
1: it brings no football connections there.
2: Are those both private schools?
1: I'm not even sure, to be honest.
2: I bet one of them is, at least.
1: I think I think B.C. maybe, but I don't know about Boston University. It
2: seems like an awfully expensive place to send Julie to college, doesn't it? Either one of those schools with the cost of living in Boston and everything.
1: Yeah, compared to they were worried about the air conditioning going out in their house last and
2: season. A $3,000 check or whatever it was, uniforms. I mean, I understand. We always talk about how pissed off she would really be and, right. and everything, but, like, that's pretty much a throwaway if you're sending your kid off to live in Boston for four or five years.
1: Yeah, not just, like you're talking not just the tuition and everything with the school, but just the cost of living.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's got to be very, very expensive up there compared Com- to Dillon, where High. you can buy 25 acres for not that much money.
1: <laughs> Speaking of 25 acres of land, what is Tim wanting to do with 25 acres?
2: I don't know. I did not understand that whole... Like, I understand it's a pretty piece of land or whatever, but, like, sure. he was talking about how the tree line behind it is just endless or whatever. I'm like, no, it's really not. It's 25 acres. Yeah,
1: I was about to say, look at that hill a mile away It was like, the house is going to be over there. <laughs> yeah, it's,
2: it's not endless, Tim. It's 25 acres. It says it on the sign.
1: <laughs> was, it, was it the episode, one of the first or second episodes of uh, season one where he was talking about he and Street were going to move back to Dillon and have a ranch and raise rabbits or something like that?
2: Oh, did they say they were gonna raise rabbits? I remember the the first time they said Texas Forever was that first episode where they were talking about
1: Around the campfire. Having,
2: yeah, they're talking about Street getting all his NFL money and
1: uh having them open a ranch
2: together. Was that yeah. what it was? Rabbits.
1: I think so, which which seemed odd even then. So maybe this is his rabbit ranch.
2: I guess so. I mean it'd be easy to move his house onto that piece of land. So understand what he's
1: getting at. <laughs> just hook it up to the truck. As long as yeah, Becky hadn't stripped the gears.
2: Yeah, he should buy the trailer or whatever.
1: And I, I was—that made me uncomfortable. He and Becky kissing. It just seemed odd and awkward, out of place.
2: It made me feel like I bet on a long shot to win the Super Bowl, and then they came through, Blake. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying all along that they were going to something was going to go on with them. And y'all were disappointed with that.
1: Well, they pulled back, and then at the same time, it wasn't a definitive, oh, we shouldn't have done that. It was, there's still the, let's put my head on your shoulder and and still hug moment, which is still awkward.
2: Man, look, that's what I love about this show, though. Like, in real life, Tim Riggins would not be able to pull away from this girl who's constantly throwing
1: herself at him. Yeah. And the, and the reality. I don't think he's probably,
2: evolved that
1: much, you know, and they're probably what three years apart fourth the most. Yeah. yeah. So it's not, I mean, she's you know 16 and we assume he's 19 ish. Um, but the thing is, I mean, now he, in previous seasons, he had had two of the uh, most desirable ladies, probably in Dylan and a cougar and all. And now he's going after a sophomore in high school or he's open to a sophomore in high school going after him.
2: Do you think he's like the kind of guy who would not continue to get, like, the best, most desirable girls for the rest of it. Like, he's entered a phase from being, like, big shot to, like, town loser. In the six months. The year. Yeah, I mean, but that's true. Like, yeah. you know people like that. I know people like that there were big shots in high school and then they just never really did anything or whatever.
1: I guess, but I can still see him. He, like I said, he's only barely six months away from graduation. There are still plenty of juniors and seniors that know who R- Tim Riggins is anyway.
2: Yeah. Well, another thing, that whole scene, it wasn't like the typical Tim Riggins, you know, just hooking up with something. It was like sweet and romantic. It was like the sunset and him like sharing his dreams with her. And then, Wearing a suit. looks like there might be an actual relationship there.
1: Well, I take it you haven't seen the previews for next week.
2: No, I didn't watch them. Okay. You can tell me what happens. I don't care.
1: Well, it shows, it shows uh, Becky on the phone, frantic or distraught in a bathroom, uh, calling and saying, how accurate are your tests? And then you look down the bathroom counter, and there's like a stack of pregnancy tests there, and she's crying.
2: So are we gonna talk about
1: that? I well, I mean, do we think it's based upon your, uh, I guess your recollection or recounting of the of the scene at the twenty five acres, endless endless mountains? Um, is it Tim's? Would it, I think nothing has happened there yet? So that still points me back to did something happen with Luke? It's
2: got to be Luke. Got to be. They're setting it up where they're so awkward around each other, and she right. doesn't like him. So it's yeah.
1: Gonna unless, crush her. Unless, gonna crush her. unless that's her mom's pregnancy test, and, 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 <laughs> and, that's, Tim. and, that's, and that's Tim's baby.
2: <laughs> it's going to be bad for her either way, I think.
1: <laughs> uh, yep.
2: If all of a sudden Tim becomes her stepfather or something.
1: Uh, talk about a triangle.
2: <laughs> it, it's got to be Luke's.
1: Yeah, I think it is. It, uh, And which is going to add a lot of. I mean, and talk about Luke himself. He's. Uh, you know, going to Dr. Feelgood there, who apparently Tim's been to many times before. Um, I, I thought that something was broken based upon kind of the way the injury happened last episode that we saw 4 7. But uh, at the same time, I don't know if it's something in his hip or his bone, but it's something's not right. And now he's going and getting pills. Is
0: yeah,
1: that going to be think- another addiction? Is it going to be a popping pill thing for Luke? Uh, I don't
2: know. I thought maybe they were trying to set up. Tim is kind of like anti Coach Taylor. Like he's like Coach Taylor that makes the wrong decisions and tells kids with the wrong things. Right. Like when, when he knocks on the door to talk to Tim, that's usually the kind of things we see with Coach Taylor. People are always knocking on his door. You sure. know, I need help with this, and Tim gives him horrible, horrible advice instead <laughs> instead of the good advice the Coach always gives.
1: Yeah. Four questions. No. No. Yes. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: It's like the exact anti coach Taylor. It's like Tim can't be it, man. Everything he does is wrong.
1: You know, and Tim had almost he seemed to have been on a path of redemption and we even get pulled into his dreams for these this land and his house here and Skeeter can run around and he was giving Billy up and down about the chop shop business and then he jumps into it himself right there at the end because he can't get a loan. He can't get a job. Um, Sears won't hire him. I, you know, what happened to coach Stan? I figured he would try to, you know, talk to his co, um, his co coach and, uh, get him a, a, some help there. But now he's, he's doing the chop shop. And I wonder how much money can we actually make at a chop shop? If I can make more in two months than I can in a two years, that's some serious Jack right there. Uh, yeah, I
2: don't know anything about the chop shop business but I might start looking into it. What
1: was that they were chopping up? Was that like a Hummer or a big uh, SUV? With the... No,
2: I think it was like a, was a big like, a, like a Mitsubishi SUV or something. Okay. Something like that.
1: Whatever I Calvin Brown's bringing in. Yeah, I can't remember what it was.
2: Hey, I, well, I want to talk about this. I think there's a Friday Night Lights Jinx. Okay. Okay. McCoy? With Michael each Michael appeared on it. He has since been fired from Texas Tech. All right. Yep. Mac Brown appeared on it, and his quarterback named McCoy got hurt. Went down right off the bat in the national championship game, causing Texas to lose. I mean, that's speculation, but Texas was rolling until he got hurt.
1: They, there you uh, go. That's, uh, the,
2: that's the seeds for the jinx.
1: And on the sideline, Colt McCoy even pouts like J.D. McCoy.
2: Yeah, he does. So Mac Brown, Mike Leach, and a quarterback named McCoy have all been jinxed by Friday Night Lights. Like Sports Illustrated cover.
1: What uh or the uh E eight with NFL, the Madden NFL game?
2: Yes. Madden, uh Madden has jinx on it too.
1: And wasn't there like a uh, Campbell Soup? Didn't they all get hurt too? Reggie White and then
2: <laughs> Terrell, Davis.
1: Terrell Davis.
2: Well Reggie White got more than hurt.
1: Well, that's true.
2: <laughs> that's a that's a terrible jinx. Is was gonna be a deal where uh they named some uh, some uh, character like Manning or Peterson, and like those guys are like, no, y'all got to change the name. Exactly. Y'all got to use fake names.
1: Well, Texas A&M, they haven't hit the jinx yet, I guess.
2: No. And yeah, wasn't the a recruiter from
1: Alabama back Season 2 coming after Smash?
2: Yeah, but they didn't have real names or real people in there. That's true.
1: That's true. Speaking of Smash, I saw a – a trailer for a movie coming out this summer called Salt. It's got Angelina Jolie in it, but uh, Gay as Charles, the guy that plays Smash, is in that movie. Looks pretty bad in a good way.
2: Well, I mean, if it's got Angelina Jolie and Smash in it, I'm sure I'll see
1: it. Yeah, she's like fighting but and killing people and stuff. She's like a, supposedly she is or isn't a covert spy. Anyway.
2: She is. She always is. I'm sure that she is.
1: She ends up like jumping out of trains, moving, on to. Platforms and stuff like that, and out of buildings and stuff. So awesome. she's yeah. she's had some sort of training.
2: <laughs> they always train her. Hey, another thing we talked about the name, real names that they use. Am I wrong or was Buddy Garrity's uh, guy in the booth was in, with him? Was that guy named Willie Galt? Yes, like the wide receiver for the Bears. I heard 80s? that,
1: and then I looked at the credits at the end, and that was his name was Willie Galt. So. We can expect him to be injured. Is so
2: bizarre. We're going to have a strange Willie Galt. <laughs> Willie Galt, Galt better look out. The real Willie Galt. That was a really odd name to throw in there, he uses his, his real whole name like that.
1: Now we Lynn Swan's going to be in next episode.
2: Yeah, I, I did a double take. So I was like, did they just call him Willie Galt?
1: But speaking of, so Buddy was- does quite well as a color guy, I think.
2: I think Buddy is better than Sam and Slammy.
1: Yeah. Or Willie Goth, even. Well,
2: yeah. Uh, I didn't even realize it was Buddy right at first when I just heard his voice. But
1: he, he changed could.
2: his voice a little bit. I was very glad to see more Buddy Garrity. To see Buddy mobilizing.
1: Well, you know, and he he almost was a booster, it seemed like, whatever, three or four episodes ago when he pulled together that uh, that the guys at the supper. But, um, you know, he came to uh, – he came up to Eric and was like, "Look, I used to be something for the Dilla Panthers, and I want to be that for you again. You know, I'm going to help out." And so then he goes to uh, AM 1040 El Fuego and uh, deals a works a deal there with the, with the guys. And I wonder what the response was to that. Of course, he had selling burritos during timeouts and all. But uh, I, I like what Buddy's doing. I, I really do. I know that I think Pat had said he was hoping that Buddy didn't shift over from the Panthers to the Lions. But uh, I'm liking this move.
2: You know what? I am, too. I'm sold on it. I was with Pat at first. I, said, I don't want to ever see Buddy wearing red or anything. They sold me on it the way they're doing it. I'm digging it. I think the new group of boosters uh, that Eric hangs with at the barbecue place, uh-huh. I like those guys. Like It seems like he's more comfortable around those boosters than the other boosters.
1: Yeah, because he's out, he's actually laughing and you know eating some brisket and having a good time. Yeah, and there. he's got
2: his daughter there with him and everything. Um, it seemed like he was just more like he is more like those guys than the other group of boosters. I'm liking the underdog role. He's still pulling me in, man.
1: Well, the other they're boosters, the other boosters are always trying to get something for themselves, or they're out to manipulate him. Um, and these guys seem to actually want to help him.
2: Yeah, it's. I, I don't know. I think they're doing a good – I was not sold on following East Dillon. If, I didn't really care whether they won or lost. Right. I know I was supposed to or whatever. So I didn't really care. But the team is still not that compelling to me. I they've,
1: don't know why. Like They've got a heck of a defense. We never see it.
2: It's like, yeah. This, the team is not that compelling to me, but all the characters around the team, the boosters and the bitter barbecue owner and all those guys and buddy now being uh, – a color commentator or play-by-play or whatever he was doing, all that stuff's starting to suck me in.
1: And then even, I'm like you say, Calvin them. Brown and his uh, his Chop Shop buddies or whoever, they seem to be getting into the the Dillon, I mean, the East Dillon Lions as well.
2: Yeah. I, that's one thing I, I liked because I didn't like the way Calvin was trying to get him not to study the playbook and come play ball with him and stuff instead. But really uh, – Shady characters hanging out around football teams. This is this long-standing tradition in the South. Oh, totally. <laughs> Luther, Luther Campbell at the U and all that kind of stuff. And There's always some sort of criminal element around. So I like that those guys are actually fans of the football team and everything, but I would think it would be a little better if Calvin was more supportive of him being a foot. You know how the, uh, the rappers and the, uh, all that kind of stuff always want to be in good with the star players.
1: That's true. I think he was just uh, wanting some help stealing a couple more escalades. Yeah,
2: maybe so. Well, I don't know. I think he like thinks he's losing his friend. We saw Cynthia side. He's like, "You know, come play ball with me or whatever." It's not always criminal endeavors he's trying to get into.
1: Well, I, um, I think I, I actually had a conversation with Ernest James, the guy that, that plays him. We'll have an interview with him that we'll play a little bit later. But uh, I think I may have said it once before. But um, I, I was very impressed in being able to talk with Ernest. And um, I think that most other people will as well after hearing that. But he does a great job in playing Calvin Brown because when I was, he's completely different from the character that he plays. And so I think that uh, hopefully more stuff we will be able to see of him as the season goes along. And I have no idea as we move into season five a little bit later if uh, what players, what uh, students, and what other characters will be on there. But I would assume that uh, we'll still be seeing a lot of these new characters this season. Continued on into next season, and hopefully he is as well. And like you said, we're we able to see a little bit of a uh, more of a human side. It's not just let's go do some criminal activity, but let's go hoop a little bit too.
2: Yeah, uh, I think they might actually put him on the football team next
1: year. I could see that some sort of redemption story there. Possibly,
2: yeah, I could too. Seeing Vince pulling him up instead of him pulling Vince down or whatever, and him joining the team.
1: The They're writers... more
2: screen time somehow. How much crime could go on in Dylan? <laughs>
1: Well, you know, Vince has had three or four buddies. Or was it two friends killed walking home from school?
2: (laughs) Yeah, the war zone that is Dillon, Texas.
1: And and like we said before, it had to be walking home from Dillon High School because we assume that's where it used to go. you
2: you think Tammy would have mentioned that in her caring guidance counselor role. (laughs) We've had several students murdered.
1: Are are the Riggins boys, speaking of crime, are they just set up for criminal activity?
2: Oh... I guess so. Maybe that's just how they're
1: wired. I mean, you know, think, Tim and the crazy ferret man, how uh, the ferret's at his house, you know, he was going yeah. to getting the gun or getting his money and he was stealing cable wire and dealing meth and all this stuff. And then Tim even tried to give that impassioned speech, which uh, if it pulled on your heartstrings or not, I don't know, it didn't mind. But just it made sense, though. You know, look, you've been working for this. You know, Riggins rigs your family. And now you're going to throw it away. But then he gets frustrated after kissing Becky, and jumps right into chopping shops too. Chopping shops jumps right into the chop shop too.
2: Uh, nothing Tim Riggins has ever said has pulled at my heartstrings. <laughs> I, I like Tim Riggins. I, I'm my favorite character on the show, but he doesn't pull at my heartstrings. Well, let me change that. When he left his cleats on the field, as we often say, that that that, that kill me. But other than that, Riggins and Langer are both like comic relief to me.
1: Oh, especially him trying to walk in with his shoulders high, projecting a beam out of his chest for his interview. Yeah,
2: I'm not trying to be a superhero here.
1: <laughs> his interview training with Becky.
2: Yeah, that was a good line.
1: Oh, and then when he calls Luke, he calls him fours. Did you notice that?
2: Yeah. Well, okay, here's the thing about Luke. Luke's playing style, he's the new Tim Riggins.
1: Like he catches green
2: passes and passes in the flat and then just runs over everybody in his way until he gets to the end zone.
1: Even with a bum hip.
2: Yeah, he's all hard. His running style is exactly like Riggins. He just runs over people. He's, he, Riggins was 33. He's 44. He's Riggins 2.0 on the field. <laughs> 2.0. Yep.
1: And what up with Vince and his uh, cannon for an arm through at 60 yards?
2: Yeah, he's a diamond in the rough, man. they gotta, they yeah. got to polish him up, make him into a real QB.
1: So we have to assume that he's at least a junior, that they wouldn't throw a the, – the, the riders <laughs> wouldn't like, throw him uh, out I, there
2: I wouldn't maybe. assume anything right now. <laughs> I each of any of these new guys. So, yeah. We assume that all the guys who looked like they were 30 had to be at least seniors. It turns out some of them were freshmen. I was,
1: I was aiming the other direction. I mean, he's at least as young as a junior, if not younger. Oh, okay. Meaning that he's not hey, a senior.
2: If, if he if he gets like a hit movie or something, they might end up saying that he was an eighth grader who they had to move up to make the numbers. That's true. <laughs> There's no, I haven't seen him drive yet, so they might be playing around. He'd been eleven years old if he becomes a big star and he stays under contract.
1: So it, it seemed that with Vince and Jess, that their uh, relationship wasn't as tense as it had been the previous two times.
2: No man, your crackhead mom brings people together, I guess.
1: You know, she seemed clean in the grocery store, but she was kind of shaky and and talking way too much at dinner that night. You know, do you think she
2: had to crack crawlies, man? She was scratching her neck and stuff.
1: Right. And you could tell Vince was extremely uncomfortable with all that.
2: <laughs> yeah. I know if my mom was on crack. <laughs> she invited a girl over, I'd be uncomfortable too. I'd just be uncomfortable when my mom and invited a girl over and sort of talking about how pretty she was. About. Forget the crack.
1: So does it seem that that Jess is leaning towards Landry or Vince to you?
2: I mean, at the end, she went, you know, they did their uh, very obvious symbolism that they're so fond of where she's standing in between the two guys and went running off toward Landry.
1: I'm not buying that triangle, though, really. I don't think she's really Uh, into either one of them.
2: uh, Yeah, something about it seems unconvincing. Tyra and Landry, I could buy for some reason.
1: Even though that seems improbable on the front end, I could I end up buying that, yeah. But I'm not buying Jess and Landry. And one of the I'm things that really makes sense,
2: or, yeah, I'm not buying with either one of them though.
1: The thing that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and people may disagree, but Landry, first half of the series at least, talked about his his faith a lot and his band as a Christian band. And then now in his Christian band, he's talking about Thursday night being more sexual, and it's a night that people can get busy. <laughs> I
2: tell this, Chris Victorious is much tighter than they used to be. They sound a lot better.
1: But he's distracted. He's distracted right now.
2: Yeah. Um, I,
1: well, think, I think Devin needs more screen time, though, because she always has some good liners in there.
2: Yeah, she's great. She's great. She makes the band. She's Stevie Nicks.
1: But Jimmy and his rim shots, though.
2: It was, that's, that's a new drummer, right?
1: I think he was there last season.
2: But he's not the guy that got beat up no, by no, no, no. Uh, uh-huh. the, the linebacker kid in the first one? No. Okay, different guy. Um, well, you know, Landry is a teenage boy after all, Blake.
1: <laughs> Thursday nights, you know, they're, it's closer to the weekend. People are a little bit looser. That's a, that's a good – analyst of of you know what night people are more likely to feel sexual, in his words.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about him taking the three little brothers of Jeff on the day, too? <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, did they like run out to the car afterwards, or did she invite them along in order to keep him at bay? I, I didn't really understand the whole dynamic there. And him I think they went the somewhere,
2: toys, you know, where you could get toys or whatever, because they had little
1: the little shark biter things.
2: Yeah, they must, have, they must have been playing skee-ball or something.
1: Something where you can that. win
2: crappy little prizes.
1: Do you like Landry uh, as a kicker? Well,
2: I'm <laughs> just thinking of Landry as a kicker. and the, I love the three little kids' line. They started chanting when they ran in the house. Goes, Jess, that's the punter. <laughs> <laughs> like it's such a low man on the totem pole <laughs> of the football team to be the punter and the kicker. Now, didn't I he play
1: tight the- end or receiver or something as a sophomore?
2: Yeah, that's what I don't get. He was—he caught a pass, didn't
1: he? He caught a touchdown one time, didn't he? Or was it just a first down? I—I I, I don't know. I would say it was, a say it was
2: just a, a first down, a big first. Or he made a big special teams play, I think.
1: Oh yeah, he caused a fumble one time too. He in the state title game, and so now he's—he's yeah. he's relegated to just you know the kicker or the punter on the East Dillon Lions. Well, dims the brakes.
2: <laughs> Maybe they went to a. Speed school, Blake. He's a special <laughs> receiver, and now he can't see the field. I don't know. That's, that's the only explanation I have, because it seems like he would have only gotten better as a receiver. You would think. Yeah. At the first, at the first of the year, I really thought they were going to make him into the quarterback just because I thought he was the only one smart enough to handle it. He's like the only one that ever played football before. Right. But I guess i see where they were going now with Vince, the superstar mobile Michael Vick type, and I mean that in every way, criminal wise and
1: on uh, the <laughs> field wise. He's on he's a redemptive upswing, I think. Because you know, even though, like when you said, when Calvin's trying to get Vince to come either you know do some business or play some ball, that you could tell Vince didn't want to say no to his friend, but that he was trying to make the right choices for him and his mom right now. So he seems to be on a redemptive upswing, but... Um,
2: as surely as Tim Riggins will collapse with a woman, Vince will collapse at least once back into a life of crime. I right. guarantee you.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying he will.
2: There's, there's at least one more jam, Coach, is going to, have to get him out of.
1: Well, again, the previews for next week showed Coach going somewhere looking for Vince. It, it kind of reminiscent of uh, of uh, what's her name, Tui. Lee Antui going looking for Michael Orr in the hood, in, in the blind side, and you know, he's just I'm, can you tell him coach is looking for him, and then you hear some sirens and some gunshot, and there's somebody laying on the ground, we don't know who it is. Um, of course, I think the previews or the writers try to make us believe that it's Vince, it may or may not be, but um, we'll see, but yeah, I don't know why he's going looking for Vince in the first place over in the, at his house, at his, in his apartment. Well,
2: the, the whole landscape of Dylan, like the whole character of the town changed with this season. It turns out it's a very violent place.
1: Yeah. And how many times have we been to Applebee's? Zero.
2: Do you, you think that their uh, endorsement deal ran out?
1: <laughs> Must have. Now it's Under Armour and Sears. Yeah. because we even saw it, the really Under might, it really might
2: have, man. I mean, obviously, surely they had to be pumping money into that Oh yeah, to be on Applebee's so much. I bet it ran out.
1: So do you think Sears is giving them money now? I know. think Ray,
2: Ray's Barbecue probably has a big endorsement bill.
1: <laughs> um, what happened to uh, Jess's dad? I mean, her her mom. And I wonder if that has anything to do with her dad being so upset or bothered by football.
2: You think, like, Herschel Walker or one of the Cowboys, like, stole her away or something? I don't the know. Some football player back in the day.
1: I'm still wondering if, if Landry gets hurt, Jess comes in to be the kicker later on in the season.
2: Okay, I've said a lot of stuff that I'll be out if that happens. I've said it about Buddy Garrity, and I was wrong, and all kind of other stuff. But if they have a girl on the football team, I really am out.
1: All right. You yeah, know.
2: I know. I'll probably <laughs> retract that as soon as they make it work. No, come on. That's absurd.
1: What if it's Julie? You know, she played quarterback for the Powderpuff game back in whatever, however many years ago that was. She was like in eighth grade.
2: I'm going to need Julie on the volleyball team or something with a better uniform.
1: <laughs> does East Dillon have Except,
2: a... As much as I'm hating on... Yeah, they have a volleyball team. Tyra was the big uh, killer on, East, on the volleyball I'm team. I'm talking about East Dillon. Oh, yeah. yeah East Dillon probably does it. You're right. As much, as much as I ridicule Julie for being annoying with she is easy on the eyes. So,
1: she is. She is.
2: Yeah. Very much so. Um... Yeah, I guess they probably don't have a volleyball team, do they? No, I don't know if I can handle any of the uh, girls being on the football team. That's too ridiculous.
1: Anything else from the episode itself?
2: Um, I'm trying to think. Is there anything left out? Uh, I'm just, I was very
1: pleased with Buddy Garrity's
2: role. I like him taking over and Eric allowing him to take over. Yes. All these little things. I don't know. Like, I understand publicity-wise, you need some of the things that Buddy insists they need. If you're a college program, you have to go recruit kids. Right. But I don't understand the extra exposure you need in high school where kids are assigned to a district and you get a certain number of kids.
1: You're talking about just for being on the radio and everything?
2: On the radio and all kind of other stuff, yeah.
1: I think it's just public relations-wise for – getting the fan support enthralled and hopefully coming out for it for the games and so i think it's a publicity from that perspective because um, i've lived in different cities and there have been some that are very much behind the football team and you see t-shirts you see signs in the local businesses you see billboards you hear radio ads and there have been some places where you don't hear much of it at all and i think it usually mirrors i don't know which comes first um if it's the fan support, then breeds the people, you know, breeds the marketing and breeds the uh, publicity. Or if if the publicity came first, and so people kind of jumped on something they wanted to be a part of. But I can see it to a degree. I don't know that just because you're on the local Spanish AM station that that's the only English thing on there during the entire week. If that's a big deal or not. But
2: hey, doesn't there seem like there'd be a lot of Latino kids on East Dillon's team? Yeah. I haven't
1: seen any. I agree. I saw, you know, there were a couple in the first season or two for the Dillon Panthers.
2: Yeah, I know. And at least one of them had a not very good situation at home. So you'd think he'd be at the other, you know, a lot of kids like that would be at the East Dillon.
1: Yeah, you know, Santiago, there were quite a few. Yeah, that's
2: what I'm talking about. He did not have a good situation since he was locked up.
1: But I was going to say, he had a lot of uh, Hispanic friends. That you know that. Yeah. Way. So where are they now?
2: And if a small town can support a Spanish-only station, it would seem to reason there's a lot of Latinos in that town in Texas.
1: Maybe for season five they'll be written in. Uh,
2: maybe so. I mean, it seems like I don't know. That seems odd to me.
1: As we mentioned before, I was able to have a conversation with Ernest James, who plays Calvin Brown, and so I'm going to play that for us now. And then uh, we'll come back and read a couple of emails that I've gotten over the last week or so. We're now talking with Ernest James, who plays Calvin Brown, everybody's favorite bad boy on Friday Night Lights. How are you doing, Ernest? Doing good. Doing good, Blake. How are you doing? You're doing great. Uh, so glad you could be, be with us today. Um, one of the first things I was going to ask is, is how did you get into acting in the first place?
0: Uh, Well, let me start off by saying, you know, thanks for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. And I know you've been reaching out to me for a while, and we've been kind of missing each other. And for for everybody listening, this interview is probably supposed to happen about three or four episodes back. (laughs) But um, there's a couple of reasons why that didn't happen, you know, largely because of, you know, just being busy filming with Friday Night Lights and then um, but a good majority due to um, Call of Duty 2 Modern Warfare. I don't know if you guys have heard of this game or played it. But uh, me, Michael B. Jordan, knows uh-huh. this game very well. We uh, it takes up a lot of our time. It's uh, it's it's pretty addicting. So pretty
1: addicting. It, do you lose in a lot, of yeah. because of
0: that? Uh, I am, I am, yeah. It's uh, you know, anytime I get into Austin, I'll give Mike a shout or give me a shout, and uh, you know, we'll be like, cool, I'll I'll come over. We'll run lines, and I will get over there, and he's playing it already, and I'm just <laughs> like. Uh, this is not going to end well. <laughs> like, we're not going to go over any lines, and I don't even really play it. I just watch the game. I mean, it is like a movie. It's like you're watching a movie. It's, right. it's phenomenal, but yeah, just to kind of throw that in there. Uh, as far as acting, I um, I kind of backdoored my way into acting. Honestly, uh-huh. uh, I haven't been doing it long, um, and I haven't really did a lot of, of stuff. But I kind of started off modeling, okay, and. um did some a lot of runway stuff, kinda of did some, some print and some billboard stuff and um got a chance to do a, a commercial one time for, for Kia Motors and uh that went pretty good and my agency was like, Okay, you you can act we're gonna start some you for acting stuff. So uh, just kinda of snowballed from
1: there. Oh, cool. Did most of your modeling was it in the Dallas area? You're from Dallas, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm from Dallas. Okay. Yep. Mhm. And then you're able to go from doing a television commercial and then translate that into being a part of Friday Night Lights.
0: Yeah, yeah. Somehow it pretty much worked just like that. It um it, it happened so fast. It it was just crazy how it happened. I actually initially read for the part of Vince, uh-huh. and um, so you know I read and went to the callback, and I think I got pretty close to getting it. But I think they wanted somebody with a little bit longer resume, a little bit more experience. So, right. you know, they found Michael B. Jordan, who is an awesome actor. He does stuff that I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm glad you got Vince because I, I don't know if I could have pulled that off. Yeah, and, um,
1: he was on uh, The Wire for, was it one or two seasons that he was with The Wire? I think
0: one. I think okay. he was on for a full season. Playing with Yeah. Us.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of people look back on the Wire and say that's one of the one of the better television series that have been you know out ever, and I think that's for him to be able to be a part of that is, is huge.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, once I knew that he was cast, I um I'll I catch you know a few episodes of the Wire way back when, or not way back, but you know when it was on. And then when I realized he was on, um you know I watched a couple of clips just to kind of see his his style and get a feel for him, and uh, I was like wow. I'm I'm gonna have to bring it because uh, you know this guy is he's he's on his he's on his game. No, so, uh, he did an awesome job
1: on the wire. Were you a fan of Friday Night Lights before you ever auditioned?
0: I, I was, I was. I gotta be honest, I, I wasn't able to watch it as often as I like to. Uh uh-huh. um, I think just a lot because of the time slot, Friday nights. You know, I usually wasn't home, but um, definitely, you know, even before the audition, I I wanted to take it, you know, very serious. So I went back and watched like whole second and third season and then um, when I got the call back for the audition for Calvin and I went back and watched them again uh, just to kind of get a feel for Friday Night Lights because the way Friday Night Lights um, shoots is it's very realistic uh-huh. opposed to some shows which can be very you know TV-ish if you will and Friday Night Lights maintains that um, that realness and I think you know you can kind of tell watching that that there's a lot of stuff A lot of times, you know, the actors will mess up on a word or mess up on a line. And they'll keep that because that's how people really talk. And that's true dialogue. Right. So you really, as an actor, you have to get adjusted to still maintaining your acting skills, but toning it down a little bit and making it real, which is, uh, it it was difficult. It was difficult.
1: As an actor, is that something that you like? I guess, better or that style of, of shooting? Is it more of a challenge because you have to be on your toes more because, you know, if you mess up a line, then, you know, you have to keep going with it because somebody else is going to play off of it. Or do you like it being a little bit more structured? Like you said, some of the other television shows
0: uh, coming into it. I think I, I was used to it being a little more structured uh-huh. and I, I found myself, you know, every day of shooting, like I had my script in my pocket, and I'm looking over it and, you know, it might just be one, one liner and I'm looking over and make sure and I have every word. Right. And, as the episode started to progress, I realized, hey, you know, that's not that important in this show. It's really, I mean, they give us the script, and the writers are awesome. They do a great job. Right. But the, the creativeness that we're allowed to express on the show is just amazing. I mean, as long as we get the general point across, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and that we don't have to use the exact context, and it, it just gives us a lot of creative expression. And I think the fact that me and Mike are pretty good friends, we hang out a lot, right. you know, offset. So I think between Calvin and Vince, that also helps with that. Um, you know, if I throw a line in that he doesn't know about, he can pretty easily, you know, bounce off of that or, or vice versa. So I think that helps a lot, too, with that. that um. Stuff between Calvin
1: and Vince as well. It seems like the two of you do have a good uh, rapport, a good chemistry, you know, just in some of the some of the things. I remember I think it was the week before when, uh, I think he was maybe in the barbershop, I can't remember where it was he was, but you said something to him, and he was like, man, your cornrows must be rolled too tight, and how y'all are just kind of being able to play back and forth, and it looked like you said, it looked real, like a real conversation, not like very structured, scripted. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that um, that was definitely all Mike,
1: though. Oh, it was? Okay.
0: <laughs> that, that, yeah, that was not in the script at all. That's, that's definitely something Mike would say, you know. And I wasn't ready for it, but, you know, I had to react. And my reaction was a true reaction, like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I think that's good <laughs> that because... Was, you... I remember not being ready for that. That was, that was a funny scene.
1: Well, I was going to say, I think that's good because, you know, if... If you knew that an insult or a sarcastic remark was going to be coming back because it's in the script, then your reaction would be more of a, you know, getting ready to say your next line versus the true, you know, facial expressions coming out of that. So,
0: yeah, exactly. That it makes it that much easier when it's actually ad lib, you know, which is really kind of the reverse way of of, of acting, but it, it works for the show phenomenally.
1: Did um, I knew that during the first episode that you were really on the team. Only one episode, I guess. Um, but did you play high school ball while you were back in high school? Yeah,
0: yeah, I did. I, I played. I uh, actually played football since I was um, like six, six or seven. So, um, I mean, just to have. But it's been, you know, a few years since I've had pads on. So that first day on set when I was going to put pads on, that was just like nostalgia, like crazy. <laughs> so I, I was loving that. To me, that that was great. And uh, the fact that I could only do it for that one episode kind of bummed me out, you right. know, because I was really looking forward. And they have tons of fun doing the football scenes, like, on those days.
1: Well, I knew you and half the other team said y'all were going to be the quarterback. So I was expecting, though, that maybe Calvin may get back in the good graces of of Coach Taylor. But up and through, I guess, six episodes, it doesn't seem like that's going to be happening. So, um,
0: Yeah, still. it doesn't, doesn't seem like Calvin's quite coming around just yet, as far <laughs> as... Uh, as far as him and Coach Taylor, not quite on the same page, I guess. You know, he, uh, I, yeah, Calvin's a, he's a, how do I explain? He's, uh, he, he's a lot of bark, no bite. Right. You know, Calvin's a young guy, just, you know, kind of insecure, I suppose. And he kind of shows that he is and, and tries to uh, compensate for that with his material things, like his ridiculous earrings or his dotty gold chain, chain sure. that coach tries to get him to take off in the, in the premiere. And, um, you know, so I think he, he's a kid who's just kind of looking for some guidance and, and kind of tries to act tough. But uh, deep down, he, he's just a, a regular kid, you know, that um, is insecure, like a lot of high school kids are.
1: I'll be honest. I was expecting Calvin to at least shove Coach Taylor back in that again that first episode when he got in your face and was telling you to get out of my locker room, get out now. How intense was that scene?
0: Oh my gosh! Well, you hit it on nail when you said intense. Uh, that that scene was was crazy. I remember like it was yesterday because uh, Calvin might have shoved Coach Taylor, but I tell you what, Ernest wasn't going to shove. Kyle Chandler <laughs> <laughs> is, is such an amazing actor. And I mean that the way that that scene read on paper, like, yeah, it was going to be a little heated, but the way he delivered that was times 10. I mean, I, I was not ready for that, but I had to stand there and, and get the shot. And I mean, he was in my face. Sure. And what, what you guys see on the, on the show is just a snippet of how long that actually took place or maybe that, Just a figment of my imagination. It felt like about 10 years that he was about a centimeter away from me yelling. And, uh, he, he, he made me have to bring it on that. But Kyle is, uh, he's intense. He's intense when need be.
1: Yeah, he got in, uh, I think it was Michael's face or Vince's face, uh, I guess probably episode four or whatever when he, three or four, when he missed a block on purpose and I, he called him over on the sidelines and was in his face just the same. And so, you know, I'm thinking for myself, if somebody's in my face like that, my first inclination is either to back up or back them up. And as intense as he was, I could imagine, you know, yours or Michael's emotions with Kyle Chandler, literally, like you said, a cinder away, spit flying, um, to try to put myself in that situation. I, I, I'm not sure how I'd react.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't ready for that. Cause <laughs> I, I didn't know it was going to get that, that crazy, but you know, that, that's probably it's for you. You never know. So you never know.
1: Calvin, Calvin's obviously been, uh, the bad guy or, you know, kind of the, the devil on Vince's shoulder for the, this season four. What's it like playing the bad guy?
0: It's, um, it, it's very different for me. I gotta tell you, it's, Calvin is probably as far away from, like, my actual person as any one character and person could be. I mean, you know, just from the, the physical, like, the way he carries himself and the clothes he wears and his swagger and his yeah. attitude and the way he talks, um, it's uh, it's different. I never get cast in, in this type of role. And to be honest, I, I didn't think I was going to get it. I mean, I had the... Uh, the callback auditioner in front of Peter Berg himself. And so I, I walk in there and and we do the audition. At the end of the uh, the audition, Peter's like, no, Ernest, that, that was great. I'm, I'm really digging you as an actor. He was like, but... And immediately when he said but, I was like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then he was like, but the hair... Because I, I wear my hair out I, I don't usually wear my hair in cornrows, I'm I'm just doing it for the uh, character. Okay. He was like, but the hair, they, the hair's too friendly. Can you <laughs> can you uh cornrow it? I was like, I sure can, Mr. Burry, like no problem. And uh and for part of that that uh callback, I, I think Peter kinda got the, the feel that I was, you know, a pretty happy, go lucky guy and uh-huh. I, I think he was kinda questioning whether I could bring it because Obviously, Calvin was going to be a bad, mean guy. For the edge, yeah. and there was probably about a, a minute straight out of that that uh, callback audition where he made me go off, like go off, like uh-huh. I had to get as mad as I could and just like go on a rampage. And he, he just had to see that I could get mad. Is basically what it came down to. So I guess I uh, I won him over. <laughs> is
1: is Peter? Is he there for most of the of the auditions and callbacks, or at least the callbacks? I should, uh- I should say.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think he was there for for pretty much everybody's callback, and he was there um, directing the first episode.
1: Right, he's, and I'm
0: not sure if he'll be back anymore.
1: He he's been a genius, I think, just in the way that he's been able to put the show together. And of course, I know that he turned it over to his his writers and directors that he had, you know, brought around him. But that uh, just the, the style of Friday Night Lights, and you touched on it before with uh, the way the lines go and the acting. But I've heard just the way the cameras are set in place, and there's always one that's able to do whatever they want to do. I think it creates just such a real feel to it. So I think he's been pretty genius with how he set things, things up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Genius is is the perfect word. I mean, I, I I couldn't do it and I I couldn't imagine even trying to do it. The guy is just like phenomenal. And and the way, like you said, the way the, the show shoots, I mean, I'm, I'm used to marks and, and like you touched on earlier, just being, you know, structured, if you will. And, uh, that that does not fit in this show. I mean, I, I remember one of my first days. I was like, okay, where's my mark? Where's the camera? Where's where's the camera going to be? Uh-huh. And they were just like, we'll follow you. Do you like be Calvin? Do whatever you do, and we'll we'll get the shot. And it just uh, took getting used to to that. To actually, you know, forgetting where to place your face or for lighting or for right. you know, all the little things that, that go into each shot. It, it's great though. It's great. It's given me a whole different uh, appreciation for that shooting style.
1: Do they provide you with a backstory of Calvin to let you know? Okay, here are his a motivations or b, you know, likes dislikes. I guess just to kind of be able to. or Do they leave a lot of that up to you for you to be able to bring Calvin out as how you Ernest James thinks Calvin is?
0: Um, as with a lot of the, um, as with the the show in general, they let me do a lot of that. They gave me somewhat of a backstory, but then they told me, hey, you know. Make make your backstory, make Calvin's backstory, and uh, make it whatever you think it would be, and um, act off of that. So it, um, and I think that worked best. I, I think if I would have been given a backstory, I would have, you know, I would have ran with it. But uh, I think that I was able to actually make one and relate to to his backstory. It um, it it was great. I think that was a,
1: a good call. What what's been the best part for you about? Being with Friday Night Lights, both the cast and the crew and just the overall experience? What's been your favorite moment so far?
0: Um, I, I think, I, I don't know if I could take just one moment from it, but I, I think just the experience as a whole, I mean, I, I was coming into this project as like thinking I was going to be, you know, the new guy and the outsider and it was so far from that. I mean, from the first day I walked on set, I, I never felt that. Everybody was so warm inviting i mean they're, they're actually just like a a big family and i'm you know honored to to say that i'm part of that family now it, it's just it was so far from from what i thought i was you know honestly intimidated and uh, a little scared because to walk on a, a production this big you know right. it's, it's pretty um it can be intimidating but it's it was so far from what i thought it's been great
1: well i know y'all are about to wrap up shooting at least for this season four and then you know Friday Night Lights will start up again I don't know if you can have a part in season five yet or if you can even even go there to say that but what are what are your goals beyond Friday Night Lights
0: um yeah I I wish I could <laughs> tell much of uh or tell more of, of how Calvin's uh season four ends but guys I guess just have to stay tuned for that but it, it's going to be great you want to watch um, as far as my personal goals, I mean, I, I think I've met a lot of great people on this on this project and um, everything else I've done, and um, hopefully, you know, it'll be kind of a launching pad for for things to come. And uh, got a few things on the on the table right now, so um, hopefully, some things will, will pan out in uh, 2010 and going forward.
1: I've heard the the title "Killer Schoolgirls from Outer Space." Is that...
0: Oh yeah! yeah.
1: <laughs> What's that about?
0: <laughs> it, it's just as fun as it sounds. <laughs> I was
1: about to say there's a lot of, a lot of images that brings to mind.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Those guys are great. Uh, Angry Numb Productions. They they're awesome. They uh it was a independent movie I did before I uh, booked Final Lights. And um, they they basically just tried to to see what was like the best or worst rather name <laughs> for a film that you know, they could come up with like a, a 80s B-movie film sure. type, you know, and um, that, that movie was, it was so, so fun to work on. It was, uh, it's one of those movies that's like, um, has a lot of cheesiness, but it's like cheesy on purpose yes, to where it's, it's funny nice. and you did it, you know, and uh, I met a lot of great people on that film too and that's going to be a, a good one when that comes out uh, next year, oh, yeah. probably around April, May next year.
1: Okay, well, cool. Well, maybe we can touch base again once uh, once that gets close and people may get a chance to to check it out and see see how it goes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I meant to ask this earlier. Do we know how old Calvin and Michael? Excuse me, Calvin and Vince are. Do we know what grade they're in, or do you do y'all even know that?
0: You know that that's one of those Friday Night Lights things okay. where we don't really know how old anybody is. <laughs> I mean, I think even going back to season one, I think everybody kind of thought. Uh, some of the the players were a certain age sure. and, and, you know, <laughs> three or four years later, why are these guys still in high school if they exactly. were seniors three years ago? <laughs> you know?
1: yeah,
0: I'll, I I'll... think they, they really leave that pretty vague, you know. Um, I don't think, actually, I know that Calvin and, and Vince aren't seniors, but where they are between being a freshman and junior, that's... I guess, up to whoever's watching, whatever you like them to
1: be, I guess. It's up to if they're going to be in the next season or not, because I remember exactly exactly. what you were saying. You know, everybody thought that, I guess, that Tyra and Street and and Lila and Tim Riggins were all seniors together, and then Street's the only one that graduates. And you think, oh, well, I guess they were juniors, possibly. And then they come back again, you know, season three, and you're thinking, okay, well, Tim Riggins was – a you know, a starting linebacker on the favorite six A football team in Texas as a sophomore. <laughs> you know?
0: As a sophomore, exa exactly. in Texas at that, a football state. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So then, you know, you had Tyra who was working at Applebee's as a as a freshman or a sophomore, I guess, and then, you know, she's making uh nice friends with the traveling businessmen and things like that <laughs> as a sophomore. I'm thinking that, ah, you know, that's, that's pretty wild, but I guess I don't blame them for wanting to bring those actors and actresses back on the show repeatedly. Um, but I think that's the challenge that, that Friday night lights had for this season and has done well with bringing, you know, like you and the other uh, new actors on, I think it's, that was one of the questions a lot of us had is how are they going to be able to say bye to some actors and say hello to others and mesh them in well and there is a lot of you know people speculating that may not work so well, but I think they've done a very good job to bring, like I said, the, this this new group in and make them part of the overall story arc and make it very believable.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think um, you know I, I definitely couldn't do that. That would be definitely too much of a challenge for me. But to to mesh those those uh, two you know sets, if you will, of characters, mm-hmm. it, that's that's not easy. You know, it, it could very much be. Like, if you're watching it, you could be like, whoa, this this doesn't make sense. But I think it's streamlined pretty well this season. Yeah. And um, even if you hadn't watched the seasons prior to, I think you can kind of get a feel for what's mm-hmm. going on in the prior seasons. And it just all kind of blends.
1: Well, I think it's been a, it's been a good season so far. I think that uh, everybody is that's been able to watch it through DirecTV has been more than pleased with how things have gone. And uh, I can only anticipate that once it's able to run – on NBC this uh, summer, summer of 2010, that there'll be even more people picking up on it. And so I, um, I hope that more and more people are able to, to get a taste of Friday night lights and see what a, what a gem that it truly is. And at the same time, the new people on there and one of them being you, Ernest James. And so I appreciate you being able to be a part of the interview. And if there's anything we can do for you, don't hesitate to ask us.
0: Man, I, it was my pleasure. I'm, I'm glad I got to uh, talk to you guys and, um, yeah, yeah, I can't. I cannot wait until it goes to NBC. I think it's going to be great. And the fact that we've got a season five is that much better. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm stoked. I I just can't wait to see it. I actually can't wait to see it, not even, you know, <laughs> be in it. But, you know, just watching it. I just love watching the show. So
1: I'm, is, I'm excited. Is it a lot different for you? I know I sound like I was about to wrap up, but I meant to ask this one question. <laughs> no worries. Is, uh, is it a lot different to watch it, the final, you know, I guess, episode as this put out to DirecTV versus knowing how it was filmed because I would think that they, there's so much freedom in the shooting that they take out a lot in the editing room.
0: It, yeah, it is. That, that's funny. You mentioned that it is because, um, I mean, those guys are awesome. They, they shoot so much stuff and they've got so many ideas, but you know, you've got X amount of minutes and you've got to put X amount of stuff and you've got to do X amount of stuff on the editing room floor. Uh huh so um unfortunately there there's some great scenes that, that never make it to the show just cuz of time constraints but um it's, it the way they do it is just it it's it's beyond me because um i mean for me to actually see it yeah it's you never know what you're going to see You never know what, what they're going to keep or, or or not have and it's um yeah every time i'm watching it we don't get to see any dailies or anything like that when we're shooting so when i'm watching it You know, it's my first time seeing it. I haven't seen any of it before, which I actually like that. I I like it that way because, you know, I can actually watch it as a viewer, not as a part of the show, and I I like that aspect of it.
1: You have that expectation of wanting to make sure you can tell what's coming up next week as well. Exactly, yeah. Well, again, I appreciate your your, uh, availability so much, Ernest, and look forward to possibly talking to you again as the season comes to a close.
0: Yeah, sounds good. It was my
1: pleasure. Thank you, Blake. Thank you and we look forward to seeing more of Ernest James as he plays the role of Calvin Brown, and hopefully we'll see more of Calvin as the episodes continue on through this, the rest of the season because he's getting a little bit more and more screen time, and we see him a little bit in the previews for next next season. But with his relationship with both with Vince and now with Billy, I would assume that there's going to be more and more. And, and even like you said, Lyle, maybe we'll see him, if not this season, next season, back on the team. Huh. But, but let's uh, let's look at a couple of emails. Um, the, I think the last time that you were on the podcast, Lyle, we were talking about some of our international listeners because we had an email from a guy from Ireland. Um, now we have two international emails I got, and the first one is from Joel. He says, hey, Blake, I'm Joel from Sydney, Australia. Uh, Lyle, you actually lived in Australia for a bit, didn't you? Yeah, in Sydney. He says, I don't know if I'm the first Aussie to write in, but yes, we do get Friday Night Lights down here. I'm a longtime follower of Friday Night Lights, having watched the show since the first season. I'm just captured by the show and how the way it's directed and written. I've always been an American football fan. This TV show by far makes it feel as real as possible and depicts what I think life in, Texas, in a Texas country town would be like. All about high school football and the struggles that these kids and families go through day to day. Friday Night Lights has this mojo about it that just captures my imagination. It is my number one show that I will sit down and watch and actually listen to a podcast too. Um, I wonder if if Joel knows about the mojo that the Permian Panthers always talked about, which
2: I, I, I would guess surely he's read that book for him to put that in there.
1: And, uh, and if no one has read the original book, Friday Night Lights by Bud Bissinger, uh, you should definitely take a take a shot and, and do that.
2: Um, by, by the way, uh, there are actually fair amount of american football fans down there my neighbor uh down there would wear a dan marino jersey about three days a week and it blew my mind i don't know but they just call it the gridiron they never say american football gridiron
1: he uh joel goes on to talk about the hiatus podcast that we did with uh amy and caitlin last week and he said it was nice to hear girls perspective on the show he thought the new year's resolutions ideas were entertaining um, he said he was actually sitting in his office at work and laughing, and people were just looking at him, wondering what was going on. He says he would like to see more Tinker become involved in the show, and um, I think we can agree that he'll be written in further as the show goes on. He says, and uh, uh, Lamarcus has told me that we'll see more and more of him too as the the season wraps up. He thought the reviews on the characters were. Um, he says he likes how we were all straight up about how we feel. Vince and Luke, he thinks, will become the main stars of the team in the following episodes of Season 4 and into Season 5. As for Calvin, he says, man, I want someone bigger and badder to show that kid a beating. (laughs) He wants Calvin to get beaten up. He just gets on Joel's nerves. Um, He thinks Jess will have more screen time. Um, And he also says that uh, we can see something like... Well, uh, He also says, as for Jess... You're all saying that she is one of these lists for up and coming stars that she does need more screen time. The only way that she can see that happening realistically, if she gets a storyline like Tyrus, not exactly like that. Or if she dates Vince because Landry won't be around much longer. We can see something like Street and Lila's storyline come through with Jess and Vince. Of course, we don't want Vince in a wheelchair. Joel says that Becky is hot and he says, even though he says that he thinks if he was Luke, he would be just trying a little bit harder to, uh, to expand upon that relationship. And based upon, <clears throat> based upon next week's previews, we may have some, uh, coming together of those characters in some different ways. Um, he Joel says she is, she is heck annoying at times, but she has her daddy and mommy issues. So she'll mature and maybe we'll like her more as the show goes on. Um, he says that he loves the podcast and looks forward to it. It gets the, him thinking more and more about the show. And uh, he thinks that everybody's a great addition, which I agree. It's a lot better having more people than just one. And um, so that's our first Australian listener that, uh, that we well, have emailed Well, it's in.
2: summertime down there. He should go to Bondi Beach and listen to the podcast.
1: Well, is Bondi Beach is that a pretty nice one?
2: No, it's not, but it's the famous one. <laughs> it's where a lot of people go, but no, it's not one of the nice ones.
1: And then we had an email from Tom from England, and he says that I got into Friday Night Lights over the summer of 2009. While only season one has been shown on British television and released here on DVD, I was hooked enough by the show to check out the subsequent seasons and have been watching season four online like I guess many have. Anyway, the podcast has been a handy way of keeping up with the latest reaction of the show while I try to get my friends into it, two people and counting. Um, He says in regards to Journey Smollett and her character Jess – it has been a quite a bit quiet for her so far, but I agree that I think she will start to play a bigger role as we move along. And as far as she, as long as she's continued to be paired with Landry, I got faith that it will be a good part of the show. Also, though, guys, the show show some class and lay off of Gracie Bell. She's only a kid. It doesn't have to be a part of your podcast. <laughs> I agree. Somebody wants to
2: defend Gracie Bell,
1: man. I agree. Russ has been pretty uh, harsh on Gracie Bell.
2: Yeah. I think I was originally the one that said she looked like the crib keeper, but Russ heard me say it. Uh, But uh, I think, honestly, I do think she's getting a little cuter. I'm not just trying to smooth or whatever. She seems a little cuter. A haircut would do her a world of good. But
1: uh, for the record, I've never said anything bad about the kid. (laughs) Having kids myself.
2: So. Also, uh, we didn't mention earlier, but uh, I love Landry's line about how, how many good buttoned-up shirts he has.
1: Oh, and then Jess said, do you mean the one with the periodic table on it?
2: <laughs> yeah, that slayed me. That, that was a great line.
1: Thanks, Tom and Joel, both from England and Australia. And then our, our domestic email of the week comes from Sammy. Um, she says, I wanted to comment about the most recent episode. Honestly, I was disappointed, particularly with Riggins. I felt really let down that the writer set us up for a redemption story only to take Riggins down the wrong path anyway. I was so let down when he allowed Becky to kiss him without resistance and when he joined in the chop shop with Billy. Between those things and the spoilers I've read, I can't imagine that this is going to go anywhere good. If the writers chose to take Tim down the path of self-destruction, I feel like all these years of rooting for him were wasted, particularly if that's how Tether leaves the show. That was the biggest disappointment for me. As far as everyone else, I have to say that I'm ready to let Julie go, even in her better moments. Even in her better moments, I find I'm caring less and less about what happens to her, and I know that's bad to say as a longtime fan, but I have to be honest. I was underwhelmed with Vincent Landry and Jess and their quote love triangle, but I'm guessing there's more to come in the upcoming episodes. I was glad to see Buddy Garrity. I thought that his, sense, his scenes were great in this episode. I didn't find myself caring about Luke's problems like I thought I would, but I'm glad Tim helped him out, and I hope this doesn't become another drug abuse storyline. Glad to see a win for the Lions, and I thought that the Toilet Bowl title was pretty funny. I'm also laughing that it was a typical Friday Night Lights win, a last-minute win yet again. The preview for next episode has me a little apprehensive about where they're going with this, the shooting and the pregnancy. I'm having flashbacks to Season 2. Can't wait to hear about the, from the next podcast and hear what you guys have to say.
2: Wow, Sammy takes Taylor uh, Kitch personally.
1: She, uh, she, she, I think she's wanted him the redemption story to continue on. It seems like it hit a major roadblock there. Um, uh, she, she brought up oh, a good point. Uh, the the last second win. I mean, I looked at the clock, and there's like what thirty something seconds, forty something seconds there.
2: Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this: Did Coach Taylor put that toilet on the field? Motivation. Yes.
1: Yeah, because he was the last one out there. What are y'all looking at? What, you, what is – what's going on, you know, as he was walking out there? It's a good point.
2: I like to think he went all old school, you know, Johnny Vault style at Ole Miss, uh, paraded the mule through the student union the year that Tennessee called Ole Miss' players a bunch of mules, all that kind of stuff, you know. When, uh, tactics.
1: when Jackie Sherrill
2: – Oh, when he castrated the ball? <laughs> yeah. Before they played Texas? Yeah. Um I think Taylor put it
1: out there. I can see that happening. Uh, and this is something that's bothered me about Friday Night Lights before, too. Does the clock not stop in Texas high school football on a first down while they move the chains?
2: Um, I don't
1: know. I mean, I've always known it to stop everywhere else, and it seems like they always get this long pass down to the seven-yard line, and you keep seeing the, the seconds tick off the clock as everybody's running down to line up and – spike the ball or something. Did uh, the, they
2: spike the ball on this episode?
1: Not this episode, but that happened not too long ago. But even in this one, Luke's down there and he falls down and so they call a timeout real quick so they can run out Oh, that was
2: a bad coaching move by the way. He burned his last time out right. to say, are you okay? And no I mean my God, he'd had a minute to talk to his team or something.
1: I know. That's what I'm saying. It seems like the clock management slash, even the the way the clock always seems to keep ticking even on a when they're moving the chains you know, after a bomb, that's just always been a, a bit of a bother to me. But thanks to Sammy, to Joel, and to Tom, all for the emails. And anybody else that wants to be able to email in, uh, it's fnlpodcast at com. And as well, there's ways you can leave comments on the on the webpage there at fnlpodcast.com. And um, Twitter is fnlpodcast. And then again, if anybody wants to call in and leave a voicemail, we haven't had a voicemail Recently, but if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, the number is six six two two five nine zero one eight five. I guess that about it does for this week. You have any parting shots?
2: Um, no. Can you confirm or deny that Russ is not with us today because he's watching One Tree Hill?
1: <laughs> that may be where he is. He he. Uh, all that One Tree Hill talk last week. He may be.
2: Well, as far as I'm concerned, that's what he's doing.
1: No comment. Maybe we'll hear from him. <laughs> Or that, or Dawson's Creek.
2: Uh, I'm sure I'll hear from him. No, I thought that was a good episode. I, I you know, the uh, I guess the, the couple of weeks layoff would have made any episode great because I was ready to watch it again. Right. But uh, no, I thought it was a really good one. Any, any episode that has a lot of Buddy Garrity, I'm down with.
1: I agree. I agree. Oh, and the previews also have Joe McCoy showing up next week. Oh, um, good. Uh, he's actually in Tammy's office talking to her as Principal Taylor um, about JD, uh, and, and, talk, right. and talks about his breakup with his wife. So, oh,
2: mystery solved
1: then. I think so. I think so. Well, that about does for this week for the Friday Night Lights podcast. Everybody, give us an email or shout out somehow or another. And we'll, be get you, we'll be glad to get you in on the show, and look forward to everybody being back next week. All right, take it easy.